Hello and welcome to the QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser and I am with three other QPR fans tonight. I have to my left the good man Chris Mendes from ITV Sport. Hello. Hello. And we also have from Indiars the also good man, uh, what's your name? Paul Finney. All right. And we have second, third time, Kevin? Third, third time, Kevin McSweeney Hi, from Ellerslie Road. Upper loft. Up Same as me. And we're all quite distracted because we're recording on Monday night and we have the FA Cup draw on in front of us. And this will be completely boring podcast recording <laughs> for anyone listening tomorrow. Well, everyone will be listening tomorrow because you'll already know who we've drawn, but we'll react right, to we, it live. Comes out, who, are we, who do we think we're going to get? Who? I, I want to get Chelsea at home. I think we'll get the championship team away from home. Really crap draw that could have been a championship game anyway. It's just that's just our luck. I think we're going to make the fourth round this year. I think we're going to get a team lower than us at home in the third round. I'm going to go. That's normally the worry. I'm going to go for a lower Premiership team away. Okay. I'd rather get a team better than us. Paul, I'm still here. Go on, Paul. I don't know. I you know when you get a new manager. You kind of get the old club. So I'm kind of thinking we might get Millwall. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, just, I'm just thinking that because... It's We've had him in the third round at home before. As long as we have that Clive home, Wilson, last-minute penalty. Fifth oh, was it fifth round? Fifth round. I beg your pardon. But you're other, right. other than you that, right. I, I think it'd be brilliant to get... Um, it'd be great to get a local derby and... Um, Either for them or Chelsea. So everyone will laugh tomorrow when they listen to this, and we've got Man United away. In the third it's guaranteed round. to be. It'd be guaranteed to be Barnsley. Want to be Barnsley away on a Sunday at about. You know how drawn out these draws are. Like, we'll finish the podcast. We still won't know who. We've got. That's true. Well, we're recording oh, at, at seven fifteen, and apparently the draw isn't actually due to take place till half seven. So maybe we won't be finished because, because we don't have a guest tonight. There's just mm. four of us talking because we did such a a a, a, a great job can i say that sorry we had such an interesting podcast and a great guest last week with ian holloway we thought we're not going to top that so we may as well not bother it wouldn't be fair it wouldn't be fair on the guest either (laughs) it wouldn't be fair exactly it wouldn't be fair on them um right before we go there's still plenty to talk about though so before we go on let me remind everyone all 31 Ball, we are ball 31 in the third round draw. For those draw. listening, we are ball 31 this the day after. This isn't going to work because believe. everyone will know. <laughs> can we not, can we, everyone, everyone know, right? Oh, no. Can we put it on Twitter that no one should watch the FA Cup draw and they find out from us? That's 24 not happened, is it? Well, it was a bit late. But everybody <laughs> listening, this is how you felt in real time last night. Um, that's the best that we can say as we watch Stephen Gerrard and Ian Wright um, put the balls in the bag. And Okay, fine. QPR, stop looking at the TV. Everyone, Sorry. back in the room. Um, you can fo- uh, Just to remind everyone, you can follow us on Twitter at QPR Pod. You can go to our Facebook page and like us, please do. And you can listen to all old episodes on qprpod.co.uk. And thank you very much to Mike Hawes from QPR Pod USA for the beers tonight. And they are launching a new pod in America, so we wish them QPR I follow fans. I on Twitter, and what I think we should do, we should link up one week with them. Well, he can come on our pod, kind of trying to link I it up. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, and we, yeah. we wish him 
Adam, the best you, you're the technology luck. expert. You Mike, need to work at this. Mike's brother, Adam, goes to QPR with him quite often. He's a big QPR fan. He's still in London. Goes down. He's a QPR fan. He's a big QPR fan. Well, he bought he us is. the beers. <laughs> you, I know many There's a shock. His brother's got a QPR podcast and his brother's a QPR fan. Who would have thought? So Man United have come out of the, come out of the bag and they've got Reading at home. So it's not us. Okay. Now, uh, let's talk about Saturday. I do want to talk about the Ian Holloway podcast. Let's talk about Saturday. No, uh, let's not talk about Saturday. <laughs> I had a lovely in time fact, shopping. That's a good intro in. Let's talk about Thursday. Last, What did everyone do on Saturday, by the way, with the weekend off? I worked my arse off. Watched Soccer Saturday. <laughs> I went to <laughs> in a good mood. Park. Oh, oh, right. Very nice. Oh, nice. Do you have a bit of a horse race with a person then? I come from the Irish family. That's true. Very nice. Okay, so let's talk about Thursday mm-hmm. instead. Paul, hang on. At Queens home. Park Rangers at are home. at home, so maybe we won't talk about Thursday. Six. six we are at home six, six. to Blackburn. Fuck's oh. oh, sake. Okay. <sighs> so let's do live <laughs> reactions. <laughs> the the, the fuck's sake thing you might want to get rid of. It, um, that's not going to happen, and you just said it again, because now we've got to talk about it, what did but you say? it's fine. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Um, what do we think? Blackburn uh, at home. I said before the draw... That there was a 36.5% chance of drawing the team from your own division. And we've got it. It's mm. just uninteresting, isn't it? Like you say, Mike, Mike gets in the fourth round, man. Yeah. Well, we've got some unfinished. But they beat us at home this season, so we've got to put that right. And they were bottom of the league at the time. They've got a bit better since then. But it is a game that we can win. We're positive. Wasn't it a draw? Yeah, I thought it was a was draw. Was it? Yeah. It was, it was one all. It was Preston It was one all. Oh, Sharon Terry free be, kick. Preston yeah. beat us. It felt like it must have felt This like season's been a bit like that, Chris. Don't worry. Yeah. I thought Ian Holloway was done a dicky last week. So it's you're easy fine. mistakes, mate. You know, same height. <laughs> you know, just, you, you'll never top that. No one can ever top that, so you're fine. I think, going back to Thursday, right, we'll do the cup thing maybe afterwards, but going back to Thursday, um, it was, it's horrible. This Thursday night football thing, first of all, doesn't work. It's horrible to see a near empty ground when you're playing a team as big as with a, as big a way support as Wolves have got, and um, it's horrible. It's just you know going to a game on a Thursday. No, you know normally Rangers ruin your weekend. You know to ruin it on a Thursday is wrong. Um, I think our tactics. The referee was crap um, first half. Our tactics. I couldn't really work out most of the time, and the perch said enough. I mean, to be fair, I thought that was a straight red anyway. Really? Uh, yeah, I didn't think it was clever. And we were talking in the pub before, and he, he did somewhat reckless at the Ipswich as well. But it's, it's done. But the second goal was an absolute disgrace. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter who your manager is or your players are. You, sh- you shouldn't consider a goal like that. I w- that was really, really, really disappointing. But the booing is ridiculous. I mean, why on earth are people booing our own players? I just don't know. And are you talking about Henry? Well, yeah, but it doesn't matter who it is. It's like Henry Gladwin, whoever. Just don't the, be wrong. A few boos from the Wolves fans as well. Was it mainly yeah, Wolves fans? You expect that. Was, like I've heard it in the upper laughs because I remember looking over at first and thought, "Oh, Cousins isn't coming on. Henry, Henry is." And then I thought, we'll "See what this gets." And there was boos from around <coughs> us, but like Chris says, there were boos from the Wolves fans as well. So I guess it sounds a lot louder than it was. Yeah, it was quite loud, to be fair. It was, a, and I don't get it because you know whether you like the the whole the whole concept of the Holloway and the Birchim and the new era of the new era of the new era is we've got to have patience, we've got to give time. Booing people just makes us. I don't understand TV. it with Henry because you know what you're going to get with him. It's not like uh, he's not putting effort in. He's just that you know he's just 
limited player. Uh, he's done quite well, I think, since he's been at the club. I'm not his biggest fan, but I think the booing's ridiculous. I think he did better in the Premiership than he has done in the Championship. He's good at shadow players. I think he, I think he did better then. I think the thing is, in the system we're trying to play at the moment, he hasn't got the en- he hasn't got the energy levels. He isn't dynamic enough to play in it. That's not his fault. So that's one of the problems. But on Thursday night, one of the other problems is we didn't have much width up the pitch. We were very narrow. So it's hard to... I understand that he wants to get two forwards in that home up front and he wants to get Sherry and Lungo in. But it means we sacrifice lip. With. And I did mm. feel sorry for Jordan Cousins because he hasn't been played in his right role under Jimmy Floyd. He was played out wide and then he's been put in the centre and it's like he's paid the price for the Ipswich game, being kind of bullied by Jonathan Douglas. Yeah. But, it, but what, what, why is Glad, Gladwin not getting the game? Is he... I mean, Holloway spoke quite openly at the, the um, mm. thing, he was quite he was really excited by him and he thinks he can do well. Is it because it's good? He's got a confidence to get ruined. I feel like I, I think he feels about Gladwin like he honestly talked about um, Connor Washington. I mm. think he thinks he's a good player, but he isn't the finished product. And I think if you look at Gladwin's, you know, background, he, he, you know, he's he's been a lower league player and he's got a sort of earn his spurs or whatever the phrase is and kind of develop into it he's not necessarily going to get picked every week and he's going to take developing and I think he said that about Washington and I didn't he didn't say that about Gladwin specifically but I think he probably feels that it doesn't mean he doesn't necessarily back him I, I think as far as Holloway it, it's been a bit strange these three games so far and I still think we have no idea what we're going to get from an Ian Holloway team because Really Two strange. of the games have been 11 versus 10. <laughs> I know they've been the other way around. One of them was, you know, was an away game, which was it defined or I don't know if it was defined by um, Smithy's mistake, but that had a big impact on the game, on the game and what happened yeah. after. And the two home games, you can't really judge when they went when Norwich went down to 10 men and how we're playing against them because it's sort of well, what would have happened if it had been 11 versus 11, and the game plan went out the window on Thursday night after half an hour, really, didn't it? With, I, just don't think, I just don't think we have a player, like a special player, that can dig us out of trouble and just come out with a moment of magic. And I know Ian Holloway spoke really highly of Cherry last weekend, but I just, I just don't see it. I don't think he does enough to warrant being the only player at the club who's paid every game. I think the thing is, what's, well, there's one point about the Ipswich game <coughs> I wanted to make that I contrasted it to when we played Newcastle. Because we were playing into Ipswich, we were playing a team that had no confidence at all. And we started off... At the moment, we're a bit like a candle. We start off quite brightly, but soon the, the light seems to fade. And against Ipswich... I like that. And against Ipswich, if we had just imposed ourselves more... Against Newcastle, against us at home, John, Shel- John Joe Selby put in a couple of huge tackles, looked around to see if our players were int- wanted to know, worked out they didn't, and from then on they controlled that mm. midfield. Mm. Now, against Ipswich... It showed we're not that even though we'd beaten Norwich, we're not we haven't got a great level of confidence at the moment. Mm. And that's the thing that needs that will take time, the confidence to build. Because they should be going out there against Ipswich at home. And if you think Wolves hadn't won in a long time either. And if of thinking, hang on, we're confident, they're not, we impose ourselves for the first fifteen minutes. Get a goal. We're not getting a goal when we're on top of these teams. Like against Wolves, first five minutes, you find yourself clapping. And it's quite, 
you think this is weird. We're clapping because you used to go games without clapping sometimes earlier in the season. So from that point of view, it's about seizing the opportunity, really. Who's the leader in this team? I remember. I can't. I can't remember what Hasselbank's last game was. But I. I rem- anyone remember? Can't Forest. Remember. Forest away. Oh, well, last game. Yeah, it was Forest. Away. I remember thinking. Second tunnel, wasn't it? Before that, was the Brentford game. It was the Brentford terrible. game. And I remember yeah, thinking, I think it was the Brentford game, I remember thinking, there's no leader here. I know Ned Manure's got the armband and we all, you know, we, we, we all admire him as a defender and, and I like him. I like him very much and I think he, he offers some uh, decent stability and versatility at the back. But I don't think he's necessarily captain material. He's possibly captain material out of what is there. But I don't feel like we have a leader. There's no one, dare I even whisper it, there's no Joey Barton. And I'm not saying let's get Joey Barton back, but there isn't that sort of character who's going to rally everyone together, who's going to lead the troops. We look at the most experienced players by age and how many years they've been playing as a professional. Cole Henry, uh, fans don't like him. James Perch, he's not had a good season. Again, Mm. fans don't like him. Nedham Nu is a captain, but hasn't got... The kind of natural leadership skills that you see of a Clint Hill on the pitch um, and then you look around Sharon Cherry's you know edging mm. towards 30 now as well but he hasn't he's not a natural leader either so I do think we are missing Lynch strikes a bit sorry Kevin no I think I think that's the point that you wonder is it something to do with how the players come through now that it's they're not encouraged to be natural leaders yeah in the, in the way they like as as in the way players wouldn't I don't think players are encouraged to run with the ball enough to take risks because the fear managers are so fearful of losing the ball and being counter-attacked on. <coughs> I just wonder whether individuality in terms of leadership is, might be missing I as well. One of, you, one of the players that is capable of right. lif- lifting the players with his own performance is Jamie Mackey, but he's injured at the minute. Uh, I think Lynch is a Lynch and Bidwell are natural captains. You can see that from where they play. Else. In modern football, I you know the Italians like laugh at the English about how much they care about the captain. I actually don't particularly think that whoever the guy is who's got the armband on, it doesn't really make any difference. It's about who is providing leadership on the pitch and who's the leader in defence and who's the leader in midfield. And I don't mind Ned being the captain, but I I still don't think there's anyone leading them. Funnily enough, I think the, 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 the one who seems to have that force of personality, this might well surprise you, is, is Poulter. I think Poulter's well capable of leading them. He comes on the pitch and you see, you, he gets on there and you see that he wants it and he chases for everything and he sets an example Very and he connects with the fans. Very difficult to be a forward captain. Very difficult. What, well, I get what, but what I'm saying is whoever's got the armband doesn't really matter anymore. Well, it depends. I remember years ago, I mean, you might remember this as well, we played, um, when Macca was playing... And we were playing Liverpool, and we were really knocking on the door. And he was leading by example on what he was doing. He, he was trying headers, he was trying everything to get the team going. One, didn't he, as a substitute? I mean, Mac was playing for the... St- uh, no. You're talking about the 3-2? Uh, no, Albert oh, years right. ago we played... Oh, we played oh sorry. And I thought like, you, you said Mackie. Like, you, um, you look at... We had McDonald, we had Fennig. Um, we've had some great captains in the past. I mean, Paul Parker and everything else. You know, we, we, we had some good people there. And the trouble is, it's... Maybe it is modern football. A capital rules different. I mean, Nedimanua looks to me like a sort of uh, a guy who will lead by example and doesn't shut a lot. Whereas you know, Stevie Wicks, Macca, uh, Fennec Martin Allen, all them sort of players are very focal. 
But know. also these teams, these the, the, the best teams have leaders in each part of the pitch. And if you think about our mid-90s team, for example, you've got Alan McDonald in defence, you've got Ray Wilkins in the middle, you've got Les Ferdinand up front leading each part of the team mm. and a strong goalie as well. well Gabe Penrose that was, we have that. was yeah. probably one of the most focal players I've ever seen. I mean, like, yeah. Gabe Penrose was absolutely on everyone's case all the time. It's, it's not necessarily, it's not just all vocal though. It's just, I think with our team sometimes, especially in defence, it's just organising. Yeah. It's, it's the basics yeah. of, it's literally, sometimes you see it and I've seen Tolko occasionally point there, there, but you saw a lot more, Clint Hill was so good at that. Mm. Point, showing, Showing people where to be, where where to be, and things like that. Sure, so yeah. you had you had Hill and Derry, which were very strong characters like that. But it is interesting that at the moment we don't. But we have players at a certain age. We've got we've got quite a lot of inexperienced players that are still like this is a big step up for them in terms of Silla, Poulter, Lungo. This is their opportunity to crack, see if they can get to a next stage. So I think from that point of view, what we're actually lacking in certain areas is experience. We haven't got... We could do with someone wily up front to help Poulter, Washington and Silla. Yeah. Silla especially is very, is, is very raw. I don't understand. Yeah. Like, what you're saying is absolutely spot on with the team that we have. Um, is a, a lot of players looking to prove, you know, prove themselves. So I don't understand why the expectations are that we should be pushing for a playoff position. I don't think we have the squad for that, do we? It's, it's, it's one of them weird things, isn't it? I mean, you look at teams that make runs every other year, like with Bournemouth and everything else, and one goes, oh, Bournemouth, this is really weird. No, it wasn't. They planned that years in advance. They spent a lot of money, and they were, they, they were good football inside before they went up. Um, we're kind of in no man's land. What worries me, and my big worry, is we've lost to Brentford, who haven't won a game since. We've lost to Ipswich, who again lost on Saturday, weren't very good. We're losing the teams that aren't that great. And we're, we're still struggling to find direction. We're struggling to find leaders. We're struggling to find a way. And the only hope I have is that Holloway will take between January and May to assess the squad, realise what's gone wrong, and then we start again in January. You know, like you said in the public, and that's great. Obviously, August, you, you mean? Start August. again in August. Uh, that's the trouble with my head it always runs off of me um, we but is that the, what you meant you yeah, meant start so yeah, again next exactly. season well, yeah. no, you, start, you start again and, and once the season's over mm. all the way we started again yeah, in yeah, May yeah. but what you said in the pub was excellent we're now in another period of pre-season but the trouble is the league's carrying on and you know it, it is hard for Holway to come in because the players' chins were on the floor I don't care what anyone says the team spirit wasn't that great or didn't seem that great the players' heads were on the floor and he's got to try and somehow breathe life into him. And you can see what it, maybe it's maybe a bit too much of perch. Don't know. Um, we're just got to wait and see where it goes. But we, we badly need goals. I think the thing is, when you have the changeover of managers, we had three managers in 2016, in 2015, sorry, and we've changed again. Well, it is, we've got such an unbalanced squad. Mm. Like Holloway talks about, we have four number 10s. But if you look at it, our squad we have so many midfield players so then there's going to have to be some reassessment of squad and I think there will be movement in January just because some people aren't going to get any chances How I know that obviously he wants to give the players confidence so he, he will talk up players as well but some players will have to move on because I think opportunities are going to be limited especially when he seems keen to play in a certain style 
and we're not going to play with width. I guess language has been a pro- language issues have been a problem with the with the Boshek and uh, Boshek and Boshek and Boshek. Yeah. yeah. So from that point of view, I think there will be mo- there will be movement. But there has to be a balance because we have to get rid of. I mean, I know he's playing Sandra, but I think he's playing Sandra more to get him a move um, and everything else. But, but that's a waste of a substitution. I'm not sure that ever happens, does it? Do you think so? I don't know. You're saying it's a waste of substitution because you can never do a full game? Yeah. How, how can this professional football... When it was the, early in the season and he was playing in the League Cup and you're thinking, oh, he'd be fit at some stage. But now we're in December and he can't play 90 minutes. It is weird. But he never could. So therefore, it goes back to your point. Whoever made the point, sorry, of you've got the hangover from Redknapp's team. You've got the players that are brought in from, from Ramsey. You've got the players that are brought in by Hasselbank. And now you've got Holloway trying to assess the good, the bad, and the indifferent. And that's, I, would, I don't envy him in that job. It's got to be hard. But all Holloway wants is people to go out there and give 100%. And there must, there must be weird envy in that dressing room. There has to be. Because the weird structure is so different and so bizarre as well. In, in a lot of the ways because the, some of them guys are on serious premiership money and other guys aren't and but they were the guys that were there first before they came in if you think about it it's been such a turnover of players mm-hmm. that Steve, how many players are there from when we went down there's only there's not that many players there there's but been a big turnover Sandro. you have to look at the players we bought in the summer and say they you have to just say they have to stay at the club for at least three years you can't just sign a player in the summer and move on and that's the way you have to look at it whenever they sign someone they have to plan for them to be there for three or four years otherwise you're going to be chopping and changing the squad all the time but that's what we do we buy squads we, every January every um, transfer window we buy squads of players and we, at some point we're going to get overloaded and I think we're at that point now we are actually well this overloaded. is what happens when you don't have a long term plan well, you moved which you clearly, which there clearly isn't. You know, there's a lot of things I love about the club and what I hear about Les is doing, Les Ferdinand's doing, and Tony Fernandez is trying to do. But let's nail this myth that there's any sort of a long-term plan. The the, the long-term plan is to have a short-term plan, and the problem is when you keep doing that, this will be about the third, no, not the third season in a row. But it seems we are perpetually starting our pre-season in January, mm. February, which is what what this feels like. People have a pop at Warnock sometimes for you know he just completely transforms the um, players in a club, brings in his own players, and then leaves them in debt, or whatever. But he brought in um, Sean Derry, uh, Clint Hill, uh, a couple of others that actually stayed at the club for years and years and ended up being our longest-serving players. So it is important to have a manager, and we have got one now who knows the championship. Um, inside out so I think Holloway will know that he needs players with championship experience but the fans are going to give him time I mean, the big word at QPR at the moment is patience but the fact is over the last three or four seasons our home record is getting absolutely ridiculous we're losing so many more games I mean they're both in the premiership but now in the championship we're losing more games than we're winning and that is going to have an effect on everything so I, I really hope at the end of the season the club take a long look at that when it comes to season ticket prices and try and fill the ground and you can ask for patience but also make the season ticket prices realistic to fit with those patients because we're all going to need another season next season of patience whether you like it or not or whether we want to accept it or not next season it won't be just sort it out in January then next season go for it this, this has got to be two or three we're, we're two or three seasons away from getting it right I think Chris has just hit the nail on the head if you look at the squad if you look back to when we had a massive changeover of managers before in the Briatori period, 
we, we ended up with a lot of championship experience, expensive championship experience, well paid, but champion experience. What we're lacking now is some balanced championship experience in all parts of the team, not just defence. Well, yeah, but it, it, it will come. I mean, when we had Derry in the podcast... I'm sorry? When we had Derry in the podcast yeah. and he came in, yeah. you could tell Derry knew... Derry, Derry and Hill ran that dressing room. Um, they let Adele get away with murder, um, but they knew the best player was Fallen. You know, you speak to him, they say, Fallen's your man. Adele, yeah, Fallen was a player. And you look at the team, like you said, but Cherry, I mean, I think Cherry's a great player, but he's not doing it often enough. And we need him to, to here's, really come Here's out. the interesting thing about Sherry. Is, it's, a real, it's, a, it's a quandary. He's got a year and a half left on his contract. Now, if he doesn't sign a deal in January, per se, what do they decide to do? Well, he's nearly he, 30 now, isn't he? Precisely. But he's important to us in the fact that he scored four goals and he's created six assists in a team that's only scored 20 league goals. <laughs> but the other fact of, if you... I used, when he was under Hasselbank and he was playing the free role, you'd see him over by the dugout collecting the ball and no one else was going into the space where that number 10 would be to anticipate anything. And in some ways that sums up the problem that he's everywhere rather than... Maybe he needs banning from his own half of the pitch. <laughs> but what you, were saying about the, what you were saying about the season tickets, that's, <laughs> that's definitely part of it, but... Um, I think an, a like, huge part is what we were saying earlier. Why our, see, why our home forms drop dramatically is because the players aren't making it a hard enough place to come to, and that comes from Fortress. know-how and, and leadership. Do you remember Alex Ferguson did his book? Well, we don't because we keep you off, fans. Of course, but I always remember about bit, eight. Hasn't he? I'm, I'm reading his book. At the well, moment, one of his actually. books, he said, one of the one of the hardest grounds to go to was Loftus Road because the fans were on top of you, and by God, they made a difference. Um, and we're getting criticised more for booing than we are for cheering and that makes me sad because we are great fans and we, we really do get behind our team and you think of the Jimmy Mack and Liverpool game you think of the um, the Chelsea game when all right the nine players have beat them and stuff like that and, and you think of many games that we've won at Loftus Road through fan thing I just what's gone wrong we keep talking about the atmosphere but the atmosphere isn't great how do we improve it what do the club need to do to improve the atmosphere well, well I've got an idea for the Blackburn game but one of, the free. <laughs> one of the problems is, unfortunately, throughout sport, the average age of people going to sport through affordability is a lot older. And people get quieter as they get older. So this is a f- which is fact. Well, that's, that's the drink. <laughs> 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 so anyway, for the Blackburn... What could help is in a game like the Blackburn game where people have to buy their tickets and there's only so many people have an automatic cup ticket voucher. Mm. Could they do a section that's unreserved for people so they can go with their mates on the day? That's a good idea. We, we've said this like a few times that for cup games or midweek games they should play around with the lower loft. And I would say if they can... They should make the not make the lower loft a family stand for the Blackburn game, and see how it goes. Because look, there is uh, and look, I I I sit in the lower loft Your myself. Your brother's going to hit you for this. No, nah, you won't. Uh, I, I sit in the lower loft a couple of times a year with my daughter, and and you know it's it's very good experience for for that. But a lot of people make the point, and I think it's a valid point that the atmosphere at Loftus Road is linked to there no longer being that kind of throng in the lower loft which almost sucks the ball into the back of the net so let's try it 
Mm. Try it. And then you'll either kind of put that theory to bed that it makes a difference or not. Or, or you know, we may kind of have a real rip-roarer of a cup game. I, I, I think if we can, that the club should play around with that for the Blackburn game. Let's use... I guess I'm, I'm sort of building on from your point, Kevin. Let's use the Blackburn game as a bit of an experiment to shake things up a bit at Loftus Road and see what we can do about this atmosphere. I reckon what we should do is make it £5 for everyone for Blackburn. A kid, quid for kids, £5 for adults. Blackburn will agree to because they won't bring that many fans down. They're not going to lose that much money. But also guarantee everyone who turns up for a Blackburn game a playoff final ticket when we get there at the end of the season. I've just become commercial manager at QPR. What do you reckon? <laughs> Why would I want to go to the playoff final? <laughs> Shut up. We're going to the play- no, but seriously, five quid for, for adults, a quid for kids, um, turn the loft back into it as it was. Maybe, um, I don't know, but there's something so... People, we need to do something at Rangers so badly. I suppose it's people's expectations have to change, like Chris says, as well. So I think the thing is, people need to go back to just enjoying their football. I don't know if this, if money and the money that's been pumped into our club has changed changed people's attitudes. It's absolutely ruined. It's changed people's attitude. So if people know this is going to take a couple of years to put right, that to just go down there and enjoy it, and it's a bit like Field of Dreams, believe and it will come. Well, build it, they will. Yeah, build, build it, it come. come yeah. yeah. Well, look, there has been a lot of discussion, not least on this podcast, about fans and what sort of fan base we have now and I'm not sure now is the time that I, to discuss it but I think there does need to be a, a look at you're right at expectations of fans what we really th- where we really think we should be how we really think we should be reacting social media online forums has has given everyone a voice and an opinion and that's brilliant but I think with that we've seen a lot of instances of things going a bit too far and it turning a bit negative and I don't know I'm not sure this is this probably isn't something that I I want to discuss now so I'm not going to but I think you go back to our podcast last week when we asked Ian Holloway what needs to happen do the fans feed off the players or do the players feed off the fans and it's both as Mm -hmm. much as the fans have a responsibility uh, sorry, as much as the players have a responsibility to provide a good game, a good good match, good entertainment for the fans, we also have a responsibility to back them, to not boo a Carl Henry when he comes on the pitch, to be positive, to, as I think he said on the podcast last week, to keep quiet if there's that player you don't like and shout for the one that you do like. And I'm not sure we're always playing our part. But sometimes I wonder, of the, the QPR that I grew up with, and you know, you, you thank Christ we got Kevin here, someone at last older than me. Um, Is it? No, for, uh, shut up. He doesn't look I, it. I know, but he's told me, so I know. Are you, um, are you in your sixties? Way <laughs> see, we did that. Um, we never used to have it. We we all listen. We all went down ranges, and we all had a good crack. And it was it was always. I remember even when we we, we would go behind, we'd get behind the side and we'd cheer. But then sometimes you play a Coventry and you go behind, and everyone could see ours and things like that. And the season at Holloway was there. We had no money, no players, administration. It didn't matter, the results. Everyone just went because we were so close to losing a football club. And through that adversity, turned us into one of the most focal clubs. But I said last week we became trendy. Maybe that was the wrong one to use. But we became like so different from every other London club. We were like, we were like the People's Club of London. And then all the money came in. 
and then perhaps everyone's ambitions change. We've spent so much money, everyone's saying, we've got a God-given right to beat everyone. We haven't got a God-given right to beat anyone, but we have got a right to expect the team to go out there and give it a go. Um, and that's all I want. I don't care about leagues and FA Cups and things like that and League Cups and things like that in, in the respect that I don't think we deserve to win it. But I'd like to say it's try and win something. Try and do something. Try and win every game as best we can. Because that's all you can do as a QPR fan. I mean, but what we sport, though, you, you think of that team... The 70s, the 80s, and 90s, they were put together with youth team players, a great scouting network. We didn't have much money, did we? Let's be fair, Kevin. We put some great sides together. I think, well, no, I think we had some money. I think we, we did spend some, we did spend some Back money. In the early 70s? And- yeah, because we used the Rodney Marsh money to buy, and a bit more. He asked for a bit okay. more, so he could buy Bowles, Givens, and Thomas. And for that £280,000... That create that that's what it got you, but I think the thing is now where the myth is that we haven't spent money when we have spent money for a size of our yeah club, cra- of, our size, uh, yeah. club of our size revenue stream etc. And but but I'm not sure the mid noughties were the sort of halcyon days that they call it that you're talking about, Paul, because we got in that position from spending money that we didn't have, which is which. But we got relegated from the Premier League the first time. Well, yeah, exactly, okay. exactly, and that's how we got in that position. Well, that was down to a certain director, which I can't name. I think the I think the the period that people look back on very fondly was when we went from the lower Vauxhall that spring of two thousand and three, where we made mm. the run to the playoff final. Mm-hmm. Playoff mm-hmm. final. That was one of the best periods I ever remember because they they, they they really did build a unity, and that carried on into the next year. Mm-hmm. That was a bit like in 1982 when we had the run to the cup final, and then the next year we were like the team who just failed their exam, but knew the whole course for the next year and built momentum, and we went from there into the top five, top five of the That goes also to 95 and all that, before the 90s when we had like the finish fifth we had, you know, everyone said, Thompson, you need to spend some money. Two or three players, we could actually challenge for the league. Yes. And things out there. But we didn't... I mean, I remember, I remember we spent 450 in Colin Clark. And I was like, geez, that's a lot of money for QPR. I thought we spent 800 on him. No, I think I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I think... I, I think, think it was 800,000. Because that time it was to get goals to get us out, to just pull us away from the relegation scrap, wasn't I'll it? I'll check it. I thought it was 450. Uh, but what was that? Even that was big, big, big money. Kept, you know, all them players. I think... Um, to sort of try and sum this up, actually, if you look back on all these periods where we've been relatively happy as QPR fans, we actually don't ask for much. We, all we ask for is a bit of momentum, some let's oh, decent football or at least some action and a few goals and shots a bit of target. excitement, shots on target, and the team really trying and pulling their way. And, you know, uh, even in these first three games, I can see that last bit is, is happening. Even you know, it wasn't like we were screaming under Hasselbank that they weren't trying. I think we've definitely in the last year we have a bunch of footballers who are trying. Let's get a bit of momentum going and let's actually get some exciting football. I don't think people I don't think we're really asking for much more than that. We will we? get but that, I, I think, eventually. I think the problem is, if you look at it, doesn't the championship seem really bad this year? And like you watch teams come you watch teams and they're not they're not that uh, uh, positive either. You see a lot of teams and you think... No, I think Warnock's team and Redknapp's team that we had that went up would go up this season as well. Mm. Just There's a lot of... You watch games and you just see a muddle of games. Like, the games 
mix into each other. Like, you wouldn't disseminate a game against Reading, who are really high up the table now, against a game against Blackburn. The difference is, maybe people are playing a lot more technical football now in that they're so scared about losing, they don't attack so much. I thought that of Birmingham. They looked like a team that could beat us in the first half, but then didn't want to know. <coughs> I think we asked Holloway, last, Ollie, last weekend, uh, not last weekend, last week, uh, what his priority would be in the transfer market, and he mentioned goals, and he's absolutely mm. right, because under him we will create more chances. We're not necessarily going to be more solid at the back, but that was a problem under Hasselbank. We were just bored the fans to death because we were solid, supposedly, some games, but we never created anything. So I think we all create chances. It's just putting them away. We haven't got a natural goal scorer like we did when we went up last time with Charlie Austin. Fair. And before that, Tarat was one of the top goal scorers in the division. Players, That's the trouble. Everyone's looking for that goal score. I mean, Holloway said last week, Murray would be in great centre for QPR. And he's, he's That's right. the kind of player he's going to look for in January. Yeah. There isn't Everyone. many about, Hello, though. Patch. I had to look earlier, and you look at the goal scoring charts, and the number of goals is, seems to... I mean, you've got Newcastle at the top. With uh, Gale, but if you look down the table, you're seeing guys like Jonathan Codger at Aston Villa. He's only got seven goals for his fifteen million pounds. So you're looking down it, and you're thinking, is there a Southern Billy Sharp somewhere or something like that? Because that's yeah. what you're looking for, that type of player. But I couldn't see it. I couldn't really see it on the list. Like Scott Hogan, I saw him some newspaper story about him, but he's equivalent. He's a bit like the players we've signed from as a step up but he's just doing better than ours at the moment it's not a long term option but I'd love to see Peter Crouch back on loan maybe in January if Stoke were happy to I don't think they'd be happy to let him back but I know he'd love to come back there's got to be someone out there somewhere I'm still trying to find this Colin Clark thing because I can't get two things wrong in two weeks it's just the, I'm, I'm, you're probably right though with Crouch it's just a question of Sorry. we'd have to accept the economic arg- argument of the wages Yeah, and again that's Something it would, have would to make we count Then we can't keep going back to the past to go to the future. You know, there's got to be other strikers in the lower leagues. Well, no, I'm just thinking about someone who can keep us up. Oh, come off it! Do you really We're think we get down. something to It's possible. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be negative, but it's, you have That's to. Got to be realistic. Right, the easy Look, game. We've got about five minutes left, so let me. Let's. I, I wanted to get your reflections on Ian Holloway last week because we we this is our 201st podcast. Uh, and for our one last week, in case someone, in case any of our listeners haven't heard it last week, we spoke to Ian Holloway. We got a, an hour with him at the club, which was incredibly uh, well. It was a massive privilege. It's incredibly enlightening. I learned a lot. I, I obviously enjoyed the experience and us talking to him. Um, Chris, how a sort of week on? What 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 what, what did you come away from the podcast? with Holloway it was great because obviously he's a huge part of me supporting QPR growing up but I never got to meet him um, in person and he you know people say never meet people you, you admire mm. your heroes but he kind of dispelled that myth because he was a lovely bloke but you met Finney I was going to say <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was great he's you know he, you ask him something he speaks passionately about it for minutes and I think sometimes he starts a sentence and doesn't know how he's going to finish it but you know everything yeah, well, he does, we've all done that everything he does <laughs> yeah. say comes from the heart so Paul um, I just I just hope that the fans and the club give him enough time for him, give him a fair crack. Paul, it was nine hundred thousand, mate. Come on, what are you looking You're still looking up the Colin Clark stuff? It was Danny, Danny Dietrich, don't worry. Yeah. I just if I get too wrong, I'm going to have to get replaced. 
Uh, you know, I don't, know, I don't know if he's out there, but if there's a statue there who could do a better job than me, and my memory's starting to go. But Wegley was the first million pound player we signed, correct? Yes. Jesus, you're right. I think it was the other thousand. Now think about it. All right, I take that back. Edit that out. It was the other thousand pounds. Brilliant money because he scored twice against Newcastle away when Steen scored as well. Was that, that's correct. Anyway, yeah. Someone just threw something at me. I think. Yeah. Um, do you know? Do you know what I just think? I just think we've just got to. <coughs> we've got. We've got to. We've got to prove everything wrong about us at the moment, and we've just got to back the club. We've just got to back everything, sing our hearts out, get some passion back down there. Um, well, we've uh, got passion back down there. No, but I mean from the the, the seats, terraces, whatever you want to call them these days, um, and stop arguing. I mean, I, I'm really trying hard not to argue on Twitter. It's killing me. And I'm not going to argue with anyone anymore. So, Matt Winton, you're pretty safe for a few more weeks. I'm not going to argue with anyone. I'm going to just be positive. I want everyone else to be positive. Get it back to how it was rubbish. rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. You, you will definitely be arguing me. with people. I will not. You should do like one of those November things or dry January. You should do like a no arguing December. And I'm not going to swear anymore in front of the people. <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to just go down there and sing QPR songs from the 80s and 90s because I don't really know the new ones really that well and 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 pretend we're great no it'd be, it'd be, we've got to do something we've got to keep supporting this and we can't just boo and hiss all the time it's ridiculous and it makes it sound really childish on TV a lot of guys who are watching it who aren't QPR fans are saying Jesus you're, you, you boys are hard your own players and stuff you've got to think what the outside world think about us and we're not really like that and I hate defending that because I know that our club isn't like that. I know you. I don't know if we're becoming that though. That's that's, be- that's why well, I'm like sports- s- I'm sort of frowning when you say it because mm. I don't know. Maybe we need to have a discussion. Are we? Are, we keep saying we're not like that. You know, it's a small pocket of fans. But all I'm hearing every week from everyone on message boards and in discussions and at the game is just a lot of negativity. Maybe we do need to look in the mirror as a fan base. I remember years ago we had a meeting at, with David Davis about something, and he he turned around and said the other directors and chairman said to him about QPR at that time, if you could bottle up and sell what you've got down here, you would make a fortune because it's so special and your fans are brilliant. Win, lose, a draw. Is it still special? Or do you just hope it's still special? It's special to me, and I hope it is still special. But yeah, I, I don't know. As a money ruiners, I hope not. Let's, but then let's take the club back. Let's let's go back to two thousand and three. Let's go back to just getting behind, doing the right thing, being, and that way we can't be criticised. Because we, we, we don't forget, we don't need to go as far back as two thousand and three. We had an absolutely stonking promotion season in five years ago agreed agreed but that where we had a great team great great bunch there, of players sorry the, the inference is sorry David that in them days we didn't have much money and we weren't expecting to win games so every game was just treated like a an event mm. a, 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 even when we went up under Redknapp the fans there wasn't that same the fans weren't really happy with that team no yes because I think it's there was a feeling bit. of we <sighs> Kind of gave up in, in February, March. We kind of gave up for a bit, knowing that we'd, we'd, we'd be good enough to be yeah, safe, coasted, safe in the playoffs. Yeah. And then we put the effort in to ensure the home playoff second, which is always a major QPR thing. So from that point of view, I think that it was seen like you'd see a Red Nut team announced and you'd think he's got to make a few changes to that during the game to get the right team there eventually. And he'd make the changes and you could guess the changes. So I think it was uninspired. 
And when Charlie was injured for that time... Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, yeah. go when on. Charlie was injured for that time, it did seem a bit chaotic because, you know, he signed a load of strikers one day and it just felt very haphazard for six mm. weeks. I think that's part of the problem now. People on Twitter, as soon as the lineups announced, that's it, they're, they're annoyed for the whole... <laughs> until kickoff. Whereas back in the day, even like Warnock's team, you, you knew what his starting eleven was going to be, give or take one, one player yeah. or two. But people just, they, you know, their own favourites now. Do you remember, do you remember, right, this is the last one to say, do it, sorry, I didn't want to wrap up. He's, he's, he's did a very good impersonation of Mr. Magoo there. Um, <laughs> that ball that Adele Trapp played through many years ago. Against Swansea. Yes. And a, as a unit, as a, as a mm. crowd, as a groan, everyone grasped such brilliance. And, and everyone just was like, what have we just seen there? And that championship team, and that's what that team was capable. Of. That, that I mean, that's probably one of the best moments I've ever seen from any QPR side ever. It was just so superb, so sublime, and maybe that's what we're lacking in some ways as well. That wee bit of entertainment. That's what Chris mentioned earlier that we haven't got a player to do the magic bit mm. at the moment, and we've been so reliant for so many years on Adele, Charlie, and now it's a question of sort of like you're just seeing what players can step up and actually be good championship players, and then if they go on from there. We've got to wrap up. Mm. Ours end and Rotherham predictions, or ours end, and then we'll do Rotherham predictions. Oh, Rotherham, they've been the worst run they've ever had. Carry I on. think, I think, as Clive said on Twitter, Rotherham are on the worst run they've ever had. Haven't won in however many games. I think I've seen this film before. <laughs> seen it, t-shirt. Before. Yeah. Carry on. Ours end, Paul. You've always got one. I actually don't have an Oz end tonight. I'll, I'll put Start it out with there. Chris and Kevin. Chris. Come back to me. My Oz end is. I just. Um, I mentioned relegation earlier. I, I wasn't being negative. You did mention relegation. I wasn't being negative. I'd generally be happy. That was worse. Than, people on Twitter, that was worse than my Colin Clark transfer fee. Carry on. I'd be happy as long as we stay up this season um, and then building forward towards yeah. next season. That's, I just think it's really important that we stay up because it, we could easily get dragged into a relegation battle. Jesus, really? We'll um, stay up. We'll Do you really think? Up. I well, think we were as well. Many po- I know it's not that many points, but it's either but I just way. I think the fans need to manage their expectations a bit more. You know, okay. um, we're not going to get into the playoffs this season. I'd, I'd very much doubt that. We're, we're what eight, nine points away from it. We just, <coughs> I've got confidence in Oli on the Rotherham game. Uh, it's one of those where they're just on a record on um, winless run now that you just feel oh, it's going to end at some point. But I just think the players have to go into it in the right frame of mind. I know Oli's got a lot of passion, but they just need to use that in the right way and not lose their discipline like James Perch did at the weekend and if we can go a whole game with 10 players on the pitch and not making any silly mistakes then I think we'll get a win there my, my only R's end is that it's too obvious that we'll lose the Rotherham game we won't we'll win it Paul Jesus wept we'll win it it's just uh, too I, obvious I that whole they have on a bad run of course we'll win it notice I mentioned Jesus before Christmas yeah have we get, got anything get to your flat, get your orders in now at funkyflowers.com yeah uh, yeah we don't really do a lot of Christmas stuff. No. Um, anyway. Don't get your orders you in can now do. at funkyflowers.com. It doesn't matter. You, you can do. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> just, just thought I'd mention... What's the funkiest flower that you do? <laughs> Come on. You've got a rainbow flower? Come on. What's the fun- funkiest... What do they call it? Arrangement that you do. I haven't never done an arrangement in my life. What's your R's end? Anyway, thanks God for that. Save myself on that one. Um, my... <laughs> Do you know you've completely thrown me there? I'm, I'm trying to. We'll just do Rotherham then. All right, okay. Ours end first. Yeah. And then Rotherham. Ours end is what we said today: like, unity, passion, drive, patience, and please don't boo anyone. It's not. It's not nice. I mean, 
Let, let, let's go back to just singing. So we don't want to sing about the players we've got now. Sing about Stanley. Sing about Rodney. Sing about Les Ferdinand. Sing about Kevin Gallon. Sing about anyone. Just don't boo, please. No more booing. It makes it, it makes me sad, and a lot of people around me sad. Anyway, and I'm really not going to swear anymore at QPR games. And the people in front of me can hold me to this. I say I'm going to be nice and positive. Ours at Rotherham, I'm dreading it. You know, like years ago when you're playing someone and they haven't scored in 25 games, or probably, possibly ever in their whole life. What, like Lloyd Doyley? Yeah. yeah. Yes, a yeah. example of like, the, the prediction of that was, who, you know, yeah, and then they get a hat-trick. So I'm saying absolutely nothing, but I'm terrified because if we lose that game, there will be an almighty meltdown on Twitter. It will go absolutely bonkers and we'll just look ridiculous again. So... If we if they if we do lose at Rotherham, how about everyone else talks about the favourite QPR game from history and just ignores the fact we lost the game because we've got to give these guys we'll a chance. We'll be okay. We'll be all right. Do you think we'll so? Right. We'll be. Fine. I'm going there by the way. I'll be I'll be there on Saturday and um, on Monday I'll give a full report and if we lose I will talk about my favourite '90s team. Just get the transfer fees right, Kevin. Your R's end. My R's and end. I've already mentioned, but I really do think it'd be a great idea for the Blackburn game if the club looked at reconfiguration for the seats. And Rotherham, I just we just need to see some so see some progress. So if we can be positive, like I said in the first ten fifteen minutes, and take and actually create some chances to take the lead because we have a lot of good ball and we don't always use it. So hopefully. We would have learnt from. Did you predict anything, and did Paul make a prediction for Rotherham? No. What did QPR pay for Colin Clark? <laughs> I'm asking Siri. Okay. <laughs> Whilst he does that, what's your actual prediction? Well, I think, I think, I think we can win. Okay. I think that'll do for me. Yeah, we we're not going to lose. Paul's left the room, so <laughs> left, let's left. finish the podcast here. Um, thank you very much for listening. This has been Open All Ours QPR podcast.